waistline Okay, I would like to start from verse uh, 3 where it says I thank God whom I save as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as I might and with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers recurring your tears I long to see you so that I may feel with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith which first I lived in your grandmother's Louis and in your mother's Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this I remind you for this I remind you to find in two frames the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For this spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but give us power, love and self discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me in prison. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, I'll consider him He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So our first consideration is uh, how did we come in the position of needing needing to be saved in the first place? So because of the fall, the old Genesis you can uh, we can look to Genesis chapter three. We'll go to Genesis chapter three. So better to understand why we needed saving in the first place, we need to understand where all of it came from. Like, how did we find ourselves in this position? You might argue today that I was not there when Adam and Eve sinned. Why should I be among judgment or be considered a sinner? So, Genesis chapter 3 tells us how these perfect human beings, Adam and Eve, were given life, everything they could think of, and then they decided to disobey God and uh, listen to the serpent. Who did not do anything for them? In our time today, we would say Adam and Eve lived a soft life. They had everything they needed. Soft life, eh? They had everything they needed, but still, uh, Eve uh, was deceived by the serpent, as we are told in Genesis, and then she sinned. But then, this might have seemed like a simple thing of like, this is just a act of disobedience. And, uh, and maybe to be, it does not have the implication as it has now, as we speak. But then this was so grave, so much that up to now we are able to experience the punishment which they received that day. Which they received that day. So, because of uh, Eve and Adam's disobedience, disobedience to God, we found ourselves in this position of needing saving. So, of this saving. So the consequence, <coughs> excuse me, the consequence of their disobedience came about sin in the world. We can read through Romans together, maybe. Romans 25. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. 
Therefore, just as sin ended the world through one man, and death through sin, and this way death came to all people because of sin. So, when Adam and Eve sinned against God or disobeyed God, the consequence was sin. And what is this sin? Well, sin came with a lot of things. It came with sickness, it came with death, just as God promised them that if you eat from this tree, you will die and they, and they sure is there. And we are still dying up to this point. Up to this point. We need saving because we die. Maybe that could be an answer to why we need salvation. We need saving because we are still dying even after all that time that Adam and Eve have sinned. We need salvation because we are still getting sick. Even after all this time that Adam and Eve have sinned, we need saving because we are still living under sin. The second point or the second reason why we need saving is that we are unable to save ourselves. So that's an important part to understand. Someone once told me that if you hear someone speaking about salvation and then they say, well, I found this religion thing and it's making me feel good. I'm doing all the good things and I feel like I'm ready for heaven and everything. That's an indication of someone who is not saved. For true salvation is you are unable to save yourself. So if you go through Isaiah 64 uh, verse 6, it tells us of our state that we are not good, we are healed before God. No one is life before God or no one is good. That's our state, that's how God view us before class standing now. We are unable to save ourselves. Maybe just an emphasis on that, we can also Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 11 to 12. Romans chapter 3. Those who are there. There is no one who understands this. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. So this clearly shows our state in God, like no one, as it states here, no one understands the ways of God or no one seeks God. Like uh, Jeremiah reminds us of our hearts, uh, how they are perverse toward evil. We want to do evil more than we want to do good. So this is the state which Paul is reminding us, the writer of Romans, of our state and how God gives us. All have turned away and they all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. This should scare us. Not even one. Not even Brother Richard. Not even Ango Kambare. Not even one. So that should scare us to begin with. So that's our state before God. No one is, we are unable to save ourselves. That's we need a savior. Thirdly, for eternity's sake. After this life is done, there is life after death. What do we need a saving? Because there is life after death. And for you to have that life, you need to be saved. For our famous childhood, uh, John David 16 reminds us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we shall ever believe in him, 
who have everlasting life. That everlasting life is the most important part of it. So once you die from this life, there is another life. So if you are not saved, there is no life after death for you. So that should also encourage us to want to be saved. As John 5 verse 24, John 5 verse 24, says that verily, uh, very verily, very 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 true I tell you whosoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life so you need saving from grass to move over to the next life After understanding why we need saving and uh, why we need saving and how it all come about, I hope we, we are following. I think we need to understand what is it that we have been saved from. So my first point is saved from the love of God. Like uh, the first time I heard this, uh, I was a bit skeptical because we are told of uh, God is love and everything. But within God's love, there is a just wrath which is on the ungodly or on the sinful ones or those who do not want to turn to God. After so many times God pleads with them, sends his servants and still those people are still adamant in their sins, then you attract the love of God. So one important thing which came out is that we are already under living in the love of God. We are already judged before God. So it's not like he's going to sin. He's already here. It's already here because of our forefather who sinned before us. Ezekiel uh, 7, maybe if we can read that. Ezekiel chapter 7. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 7. I am about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will repay you for your conduct and for the detestable practices among you. Then you will know that it is I, the Lord, who strikes you. So if we don't if we don't know what we are being saved from, first thing first, we are being saved from the wrath of God. Because no one among us can stand the wrath of God. Throughout the Bible, we are told of when people are so hard that they don't want to stay away from their sins. We can always use the example during the times of Noah. And now those people were just so adamant in their sins. Minus God telling them to turn away from their sins. We can use the perfect example of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
then God had no choice but then to send his burning fire so that those people may, for those people who did not want to turn away from their sins. For what else do we need saving for? We need to be saved from sin's death. We are reminded that we are uh, dead in sin, like our sin has taken control over us, and we need saving because in sin we are dead. So the writers of Romans reminds us in chapter 6 of Romans that 6 verse 4 we, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was dead from the dead through the glory of the Father we may have okay right, let me start from this one there Chapter 1, chapter 1 to verse 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Maybe just to end at verse 2 there. So our current position is that we have died in sin. And if we stay in sin, then that will be our, our permanent state. We are told that sin has corrupted us so much that Paul reminds us that uh, that which I do not want to do, I find myself doing. So that's how much sin, that's how much we are buried and we are dead in sin. We can't even control our desires sometimes. So we need saving from sin's death. After knowing what we need saving from. Of course, there are other points which I, I could have brought up, but with time and everything, uh, I'd like to get to the most important part of the sermon, which is uh, the means of saving. Like, we are all today because of this. Everyone who calls themselves a Christian is here because of this. If Christ did not die on the cross for all of us, who would know what would be our state of eternity, state of affairs, also to eternity, to eternity. Earlier, I alluded to a story of uh, someone who was telling me that they found Christianity and they felt that uh, they are ready for heaven. Because they were doing good, they were giving, uh, they were loving, and all those good things. And then, if there is no element of Christ in your salvation, then unfortunately for you, my friend, you are not saved. For the nature of grace is that you can't save yourself. It is only through Christ that we are all saved, those who are saved. And if you are not saved today, I think this is the call of, or maybe an appeal to everyone that is not saved today, right? Get to know this Christ, and how he saves, and how he saved all of us who claim to be Christian. Through grace in Christ, as simple as that. I deliberately had one point on this one, because if I tried to look for other reasons, it would have undermined the power which is in Christ. Because for Christ, 
grace is sufficient in whatever way you want to look at it. The simplest way to put it is that we are saved through grace in Christ. Why is it through grace? Because uh, if it was mercy, mercy would mean that sometimes when you're asking for mercy from your parent, or you say, oh, I've been a good child, have mercy on me. I've done this, have mercy on me. For mercy uh, implies that there's some good which you did to have mercy. But that's the opposite of grace. You are out to be broken and knowingly that you have nothing that you can do to save yourself. Because you are already in sin to begin with, as we have learned from the previous topic. You are already judged by God. And this love is toward you, it's coming for you if you don't stand your way. And then he comes in and offers grace to everyone. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verse 8 to 9. Ephesians chapter 2, 8. Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast. For we are God's for we are God's unwork, created in Christ to do good work which God prepared in advance for us. But the main point there which I wanted to bring out is verse eight and nine, which says For we for it is by grace you have been saved. And nine which reminds us it's not by work, so that no one can boast. The moment Christ died on that cross, there is a condition in us that you have to believe in him. You have to have faith, just like uh, the writers of Fishing is reminding us. It's through grace, it's, uh, we are saved by grace through faith. Maybe John uh, chapter 1, uh, John chapter 1. Can put more emphasis on that. 16 to 17. In chapter 1, 16 to 17. So, out of this fullness, we all have received grace, in grace of grace already given. So, we have, uh, what else I was, I was going through this, I came to know the grace which just fall on everyone, like in that common saying, uh, the, oh, like there's no, there's no, what's the word, segregation for, for God's grace. This is a different kind of grace. This is a grace which is found in Christ. I'm just talking about the grace. Where you have people upon the public commander, not that kind of grace. I'm talking about the grace which Jesus died for, for us to have on the cross. That's the grace which we receive undeservingly. Because we know of our nature that we are no good, as we were reminded here. 
that our hearts are evil and are perverted toward doing what is bad. Why should we then deceive this place? If that's our state. Nothing. There's no reason which you can find in all the world world, other than this because of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That's why we deceive this grace. It has nothing to do with our works, as we are reminded. So that why is our work very so why is God I'll stay here, why is God so much interested in saying so that no one can boast? I think that's just our nature as men. When we do something, we want to point to it like, oh, I did that. So it's like, well, I work in the industry where, uh, with neatness and, and everything and the flow of uh, how the work is going is very much appreciated. So the, the way the church is done, flighting and everything, when someone comes in here, they'll look and the first thing they'll, they'll think of is like, oh, who did this? Ah, it's been done nice. And when that person knows that, they'll have that composed, that applied in their day like that. Yeah. We did this. So that both can come in. So when we talk of grace and how we received it, everyone should look down because we did not deserve it. Who did this? Well, subscribe to not us. That's how much God loved us. That even, though we were st- even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, there's a favorite hymn uh, which I wanted to be, uh, but apparently we don't know the song. And I include myself, we don't know the hymn. Uh, Brother Richard uh, once shared it, um, and I forgot the first uh, the first line. So now it starts. So I asked uh, uh, Shalom and uh, Aunt Banda's uh, uh, grandchild. She knows this song from start to finish. If you give her a chance one day to sing, maybe she can teach us one day. Uh, the first line says that, "What have I gotten? To what have I received?" Pressing our Savior to all in the world. I am only a sinner saved by grace. That's my state. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. But the most important part is what have I what have I gotten to what I have received? Like you look at everything of your efforts and everything that we have, like I can look into like oh I have a car, I have a house. Uh, the family, all of those are nothing compared to the grace, to the grace of God. Because without grace, even those things which you have, uh, once you die, you lose them. So if you are, if you don't have the grace in Christ, which will ensure you eternity, and the eternity of your family work doesn't work like that. Technically, they have to be saved as well. But if you are saved. You are also to push for your family's salvation, but the point is, you need to be saved first. So, what do you have that you can compare to the grace of God? Nothing. Nothing that I can think of. Uh, 
next point is that now we know that we are saved now we know that we are saved in trust and we know who saved us and we also know the reason why he saved us what's next now for us and we just now stay at home and wait for for him to come back and uh, take us as we are told what do we do once we are saved what is the implication of being saved now that you are saved what's next what do you do now so the first point which i could think of is uh, the famous uh, bible verse which is called the great commission to become witnesses I just need a blend of something which is so nice. I'm not going to keep it to myself. Just humanly, humanly, that's the way we are. No one is going to go home after they meet Christ and just say like, oh, what, what happened at church today? Ah, nothing important. We want to share. What do we want to share is the gospel, the wonderful saving of Christ. That's what we want to share. I am saved. I want everyone to be saved. So, when Christ was living, he commissioned his disciples. What did he commission them to do? Let's look at Matthew 28, verse 16 to 18. And the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had taught them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some still doubt them. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You surely, and surely, I am with you always to the end of the age. If those disciples did not become witness or they just received the gospel and just decided to wait for Christ, like I will just wait for him since he has said he will come back. When they received this gospel, they understood. Even, even Christ, he did not take chances to know that, oh, now I've preached them, they understand that they have to share this gospel. He emphasizes it when he's there. What does he tell them to do? Go and make disciples. Baptizing them, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Not just a long ago, I was a benefit of this witness. I got baptized in this same group. It is because of this witness. If these people did not witness to the gospel, I don't know if it would have reached any of us here. So once you are saved, it means that you have to be a servant to. You have to go and to witness to everyone, to tell them of the good saving wonders of God. And once they believe, you baptize them in the name of the Son, of the Father, and then they continue their Christian life as it should be. That was reason to why or to the implication of being saved. Just like it is expected when you have a child. Don't expect your child, unless it is a medical condition, to be young for the rest of their life. They need to grow. Once you are saved, you need to grow as well. 
in the work of the Lord. Uh, the, the writers of Peter there remind us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. 4 to uh, 9 says that through this he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world and caused by evil desires for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness so we are saved first of all we are saved and what is it that we are reminded of or that is we are encouraged to do we are encouraged to grow to grow in what ways to to to, to increase in knowledge in goodness in faithfulness in love in all of these like uh, in Ephesians, we are minded of when we have received the Spirit. Uh, our sister there, she mentioned in a our, in our powerful, uh, powerful uh, memory verse she had. What do you call us? It's been a while. Poem, sorry. Poem. She reminded us of the, uh, of the fruits of the Spirit, of our. Uh, how you need to grow in goodness, in love, and in everything. That's what is needed to be a Christian. Like you need to be growing in spirit, in knowledge. Because you are saved, that's why you need to grow in this, all these things. And why do you need to grow? Because you are going to be a witness. Imagine, I don't mean a Jehovah's Witness, by the way. Let me clarify that. It's because you are going to be a witness. Now imagine someone coming to preach to you. And they don't have this self-control. You might end up fighting with them. So you don't know Jesus. So you are telling me you don't know this. Maybe you get frustrated. Like some of us, we are known to have short tempers. But it should be part of the reason why we need to be going. So that some of these things we can learn to let go. Because of what we are saying. Uh, okay. So maybe after you know all of this and the implication of being saved and everything, uh, in conclusion, I would like uh, maybe just to emphasize on a few points which should stand out from the all saving and being saved is that. We are unable to save ourselves. That's why we need saving in the first place. That's why Christ died for us in the first place. Because imagine if there was a way that uh, we are able to save ourselves. I mean, any time that we see these Christian uh, or Christ set loose a way of life and then just in a bit difficult, who would have opted for that other option? We are always liking to compare things. So we'll be like, ah, maybe that is a bit easier. What if I just do X like the Pharisees doing? Maybe if I just do X, I'm a good person. And if, uh, the man who, uh, who preached uh, but, uh, Andrew study used us to say this during our 
our, our students uh, Bible studies. You know, one day there will be a lot of good people in heaven. I used to be like, ah, you know, those people who do good, those people who give to charity. You see, most of them giving to charity. Like they believe that that's the way to, to please God. You have to give, you have to tithe, and they will tithe in fact. That's all man. But that's not the point. The point is we are unable to save ourselves. Even in our in our action of doing good, there's that kind of element of boasting like I gave the most, I did the most, I worked the most. And for that reason, God reminds us that not for our works, so that one may not boast. So the state is that we are unable to save ourselves. And my second conclusion is that Salvation is free. Thank God. And imagine if we had to pay something. Well, I don't know how much it would have been, but how many would have managed to pay? So I was looking at uh, the Old Testament and how things were done in those times where you we are told of Job. Like he would uh, give offering even for his children, like that, in case they sing. Now imagine if that was our case, like. All the time we sin, we have, I don't know what we are supposed to be killing during this time. Uh, I think Northern Province would have been the most uh, packed, uh, uh, the most packed province because of the animals, if it was the animal we are going to be as well. I think we would have a population which is compared to taxes where you have more, more cattle than people because everyone is worried that they are going to sin, so they have these extra cattle that have once I see. I do the need thing. So we thank God that salvation is for free. And it's free through trust. If you are faith in trust, you believe, you, you do your confessions, you get baptized, and you receive your salvation. Um, the, the last point is that it is our duty to save. It's actually a true mark of someone who is saved. You should want to save others if you are saved. We save because we love each other. If you are saved and you don't feel the need to save others, that should, that should obviously question uh, if you are truly saved. For class, freedom saved you. Like we are reminded that freely we receive, freely we should give. Why should you then shun away from saving others when you are saved free? The Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Maybe if we can just look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 4. Chapter 4 to 5. Chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. Not looking to your own interest, but to each, not looking to your own interest, but each one of you to the interest of the other. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. 
not looking to your own interest, but each one of you to the interest of one another. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Maybe Ephesians also chapter 2 verse 10 can emphasize on this point. It reads, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared for us to do in advance. Like which, which of these good works are the works of love? That's what we are prepared to do, the works of love. And how do we do out of this through service? Because we are saved. And we are asked also to save others. It's a true mark of Christian salvation you know, to save each one of us in love. That's what God demands of us. Freely you are given, freely you should give. Let us pray. Father, Jesus, Father our Lord, Father Jehovah God, we come before you this time of the hour to thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for reminding us again that we are unable to save ourselves. Thank you for reminding that it was because out of your love that you have forgiven us. It was out of your love that your wrath through Christ was taken. That instead of you dealing with us, you decided to deal with your son. For you knew that none among us was able to take that punishment. For we are unable to save ourselves. In this theme which our church is going through of save, to save others, Father, we pray that as we are with you, as we are going through your way, we may be, we may be reminded that we got this salvation freely and we should be able to give to others. Remind us to be witness of the gospel so that others may come to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us grow in our work of spiritual work so that we may be able to share to others with love and within you, Father. It is with gladness that we say thank you for this day that you have made possible for all of us to be alive in. It is also out of your grace that we are alive today. Because out of your grace, nothing which is of our doing. So Lord, throughout the day has its progress. May you be with us for the next program as we continue to live in your love and in your grace. It is through our Lord Jesus Christ who thank giving in our hearts and pray. Amen.
and uh, an ear for, for, for that. And I believe that uh, we have learned from God's word. Uh, it just reminds me of something that I want to share with the young people here. I want to say that, you know, I, I don't know if somewhere in the Bible is written the maximum capacity of people that are supposed to be there in the kingdom of God for God to still say uh, it's enough. Um, I only needed this amount of people to be saved. I don't know if it's there in the Bible. Yeah, so that's the question that I had. So to uh, brothers and sisters who have listened to the word, those that are having challenges and make things right with God, um, at the end of the service, I invite you to just remain in your Seat and we have some people that will talk to you so that you can make things with God. And as a way of responding to our preaching, I invite us to stand and we are going to sing this lovely hymn. Uh, the title is Oh, What a Wonderful, Wonderful Day. Shall we sing and uh,
that they may bring a fresh memory and an encouragement to us as we soldier on in this side of this side of eternity. And so be pleased, Lord, to now usher us into the next segment of our worship. And help us, Lord, again to assist to you as we will be uh, taught and walked through as we will be uh, reflecting on the accomplishment, accomplished work of our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us now as we uh, get to the end of our first segment of worship. It's in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray with our hearts full of thanks. Amen. For that, just one more announcement. Uh, maybe the, the, the visitors that we had we had this morning, please don't rush out. We can just come to this corner and we have um, members of the church to to, uh, to talk to us. And if there's any other thing. Uh, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, just, uh, to, again, say thank you to the uh, young people uh, for ministering unto us. And we trust that uh, 